0: So Justin Kegley, welcome to uh, The Journey. And um, I'm Kevin Polkey. I know we've known each other for a little bit. Yeah. It goes back probably about 10 years now. And, um, but, uh, welcome to the journey. We, uh, it's about, uh, this podcast is about just having conversations with individuals about stories of transformation and how either they've been in a process of recreating themselves, just like I I know you have, and you'll get into that, or maybe how they've recreated, um, a line of their business or an aspect of what they do for a living, or maybe, um, bigger stories of where they've had major setbacks in different aspects of their life and how they've transformed through those. So. Um, well, let me, uh, before I get into a little bit, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll, and uh, what you do.
1: Sure. Well, that's dangerous with an open mic. But, um, <laughs> so so, um, so I am uh, fortunate. I uh, We've lived in Rockford for about 13 years. So I'm originally from central Illinois. Um, real high level on me, like the things that are important in my life is I love Jesus. Mm-hmm. I've got a wife who is... Um, Way more than I deserve, okay. uh, and then I have three boys. Okay. Um, so Riley Cooper and Colton, and um, and their ages are they are soon to be thirteen. Okay. Uh, just turned nine and seven. Okay. So okay. we are highly energetic yeah. and we thought since there's not enough energy in our house as it is, we sure. should get a dog. So we just did that in the last week. That, that was a good idea. Very exciting. Yeah. Another male. <laughs> oh, so <perfect>. we, <laughs> my wife wanted to keep the, the queen mantle in the house. She didn't want to have any princesses running I around. Understand. So, yeah. so that's, um, you know, personal life there. We, okay. uh, we have that. So just living life and trying to figure okay. it out one day at a time. Sure. I, uh, I have the privilege of owning movement fitness. So okay. we are an athletic performance training and, um, we do some semi-private, uh, personal training for adults. Okay. So, um, that's, you know, where I'm at today, okay. which is probably a far cry from where I was when I met you, yeah, um, yeah. almost 10 years ago or so. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Transformations right at my alley, so sure, sure. Talk about that and know yeah,
0: that. So yeah. yeah. So obviously, exercise is a big part of your life sure. and family and your spiritual life. Outside of those things, if it's possible, yeah. um, what what does Justin do for fun? What do you do to relax? What do you do for fun?
1: Oh man, um, I uh, spend time with my boys. I okay. really. So at this point in my life, I'll be honest. This is probably an area of growth opportunity for me because um, right now, with where we're at. Um, I am in the trenches of doing life, right? Mm -hmm. So my release has always been um, training, Um, you know, and that was a lot easier before when it was like, I went to, I had a job in corporate America, so it was easy to go do that and then go work out. Like that was my, my release. Um, You know, so at this point, um, if I can get away for a massage twice a month, that would be amazing. Um, I work on that, taking care of myself, Um, you know, but, essentially for us, it's getting away to, um, to the farm. And so we'll go down there and spend some time, um, with family and hang out. But, um, if we're in Rockford, we're here, we're kind of either at the gym, um, at a sporting event, um, church or yeah, that's, kind of it okay i got to okay. go see a movie yesterday so Did that was you? good oh really so, <laughs> so well yesterday we <laughs> it was, was rainy the, <laughs> in the process of this taping that
0: yesterday was father's Day. oh so yesterday so, was father's uh, day so, yeah, so. so that was part of the part of the father's day yeah event. i took
1: all three boys we went to go see avengers endgame oh, okay. which i had not seen two of my boys had seen so we went to see that and that was epic so oh, okay um, so we are all about like superheroes okay. and star Wars and Avengers and, nice. and you know, all that. Okay. So that well, perfect. was fun. Well, good, good deal. You talked about the farm, uh, who, who, the family farm. Yeah. So, um, we, um, my wife, um, she, um, she had her biological father actually passed away when she was two days old. Oh, okay. So, um, she was adopted. Her dad okay. is an amazing man. He was here for church yesterday with us. He's just somebody okay. I idolize and actually, uh, in my first chapter of the book, I, I wrote about him specifically, but um, through that, Teresa um, was the the caretaker and the takes took care of all of her biological father's farm when she when um, her grandparents and everybody got older. So um, we actually now own a farm, and Ooh, so okay. um, her her dad has a farm. So they have about two thousand acres. Ours is significantly smaller than that, but. Okay. Um, so you know we get to go down and spend some time it's in okay. central Illinois mm-hmm. okay um, so it's just a place to go that's kind of like uh, a breath of fresh air for okay. us to get away and okay. so that's uh, that's the farm so interesting okay so in between my wife running like the marketing and the financial stuff for movement fitness and occasionally coaching and running all of the kids schedules and doing all of that she also buys and sells grain constantly so she's a she's a okay. full-fledged farmer except for like putting the seed in the ground and taking it out. Okay. Okay. From that element, she may not be getting dirt or nails, but, but she knows. Oh yeah. So it's a, it's a crop farm. It is. Yeah. Corn and soybean. So, so yeah, so we're, uh, yeah that's it's kind of funny, but yeah, we're farmers. okay all right <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is something that I did not know and, yeah. that's, and
0: that's something I enjoy mostly about this show is that you know people that I've known for yeah. a while, but then I find out things about them that just, just which are kind of cool things. So we're central Illinois we we're, um, where's the probably the lar- largest uh, town or city that would
1: yeah so maybe... Peoria oh, Peoria okay. would be the closest. so it's in the farm is actually in Emden actually it's uh, Lincoln would probably be the Okay. Um, you know, it's smaller than, obviously, Peoria. But, so, um, I grew up in Pekin, which is right outside of Peoria. My wife grew okay. up just outside of that. So, um, pretty close gotcha. um, to that. So, yeah.
0: so growing up, uh, was that primarily involved with – what did you do as a kid? Yeah. A, a growing up, was it – I mean, tell us a little bit about growing up. What Man, was that like?
1: Uh, sports. Okay. Uh, baseball, football, basketball, you name it, I played it. Okay. Um, I, I mean – that was just my life, right? Okay. So the neighbors always said, if he didn't have a ball or a bat in his hand, they felt like something was wrong because sure. I just, that's all I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we rode bikes and we played baseball and basketball okay, um, and football. So And you have siblings? I have two sisters. So I okay. have an older sister who's two years older than me okay. and then a younger sister who's eight years younger. Oh, so, okay. um, you know, oddly enough, it feels like my parents actually got divorced and then got remarried to each other. Okay. So... And then my younger sister was uh, part of that. And um, so it's weird because my dad always jokes that he has two kids from his first marriage and one from his second marriage, which sure. is a very cheesy joke. But <laughs> but it is kind of funny because as I was growing up, I mean, I was in high school and she was, you know, in middle school and gone and then I was gone. So right. the hard part is us not being around, um, you know, it very much kind of was like two families a little bit. So sure interesting dynamic but
0: so how old were you when mom and dad got divorced five so you were okay so you were five when they got divorced and
1: then uh when did they get remarried yeah like a year and a half uh later or something like that year and oh, a so years. it wasn't that long it a wasn't break. a huge break no so okay. I, I really the the i don't know if i blocked it out or if i need to emotionally dive deep into that sure. but they um but I, I don't remember much about it okay actually so okay. it wasn't not to my knowledge, uh, consciously is not a scar that I that I right, hold right. or wear. Okay. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just a part of our story. So, gotcha. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, and a, some cheesy jokes, right? Yeah, oh, your totally. Dad. It's awful. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, how, how'd you get into sports? What, what was that? What's the story about that? Oh, um, happened?
1: I uh, I just played sports from a very young age, right? So my parents got me involved, you know, just your t-ball and your basketball and all that kind of stuff and they made me try different sports that I you know that I ended up not playing like floor hockey and soccer I remember I played soccer it was probably the worst experience I've ever had we finished fifth in my league and somebody told me like fifth place in soccer is like first place in baseball I'm like well this is the dumbest sport I've ever heard of and so plus I didn't like running so I quit that but um so my parents threw me into a bunch of stuff sure and um yeah I remember though uh, baseball was my sport. I fell in love with it when I was a kid. I remember being 8 years old and going to watch a game and I saw a kid playing catcher and I thought that's awesome. That's what I want to do. Okay. And so um the next year was the first year I could play travel ball and okay. we did and I was a catcher and for most of my baseball career I was a catcher. Okay. And so um, that was my passion. I played football and uh, basketball in high school. I ended up um, playing college football at Monmouth College. Oh, okay. Um, was supposed to play baseball there as well, but I lacked a certain maturity at that point, so I didn't make it to uh, the baseball season. I decided to leave the school and and uh, and do that, and thus began my journey of. Um, figuring out life. Okay so.
0: okay, so so you graduated from Pekin High School? Graduated from Pekin High School. Then you went to Mammoth, and you were going to play football and baseball, but played one year of football.
1: I was there for one semester. One I played semester. football, yep. yep, and then I left. I went to uh, Illinois Central College, junior college sure. in yep. East Peoria, and um, subsequently uh, just didn't even withdraw. I just stopped going to class. Um, it was a awful, uh, idea. Um, and I paid for it later on with my GPA, but, uh, I just stopped going. I wasn't in a place to do it. I actually had a bout of, um, I I did about, you know, just partying, you know, drinking and, uh, and just doing stuff that wasn't real wise. And, uh, and so that was a rough road for me, um, for probably, uh, eight months to a year of trying to figure out, um, just life and wasn't Mm -hmm. in a great space and probably wasn't around a great group of friends and great group of people that Mm -hmm. were speaking life into me, um, until I got a job at Menards. Okay. Um, which was amazing because on the weekend they paid you 250 extra an hour. Okay. So I worked every weekend. Sure. Um, but I also, uh, ended up meeting my wife there. Okay. So I was a hardware boy and, uh, she worked the customer service desk. Okay. So we, um, Yeah, we ended up dating there and she, uh, eventually just, um, just worked to change my life. I mean, I really feel like God put her in my life to, to be a course correction because she, um, challenged me on some stuff that just, she wouldn't stand for at some point. And so, um, you know, I kind of had to change. And so that was a big, it was a big cycle for me there. And, um, that's where I met Jesus uh, through a friend of mine started going to church um, which was a you know it's an interesting experience for a guy that grew up Catholic to go to a non-denominational church and they were pretty charismatic and to walk mm-hmm. in and be like what in the world is this sure um, yeah so anyway that was um, that was like a year and a half two year period where I just really really grew and matured okay. um, and uh, had to go through a bunch of stuff that just that was part of the transformation to start to begin yeah. with to go like, you know, I could either be on this path and go potentially down a road that, um, you know, people in my family have gone down with with alcohol, um, you know, and potentially be in a spot that I didn't want to be in, Mm -hmm. um, or I could make a change. And fortunately, by God's grace, and a lot of great people that ended up building into my life, I was able to make a transition out of that.
0: You know, I think a lot of times we, we talk about Time periods like that, mm-hmm. right, and and especially you leave leave high school, leave home, right, get this opportunity to be away. Mm-hmm. On one hand, I've, we were just talking a couple, of, you know, the last couple of guests, of how intimidating it can be, you know, regardless if you're sure. a star athlete or not, it can be pretty intimidating. Yeah, um, new environment, don't know anybody, you know, and um, and then you have all these options and choices and for the most part, not much supervision, right? <laughs> right. So when you talk about, uh, uh this was a, this opportunity after meeting Teresa and, and working at Menards that there was this opportunity to mature. Yeah. What do you, like, if you di- dive into that, what do you mean by that?
1: Yeah. So, um, well, I had to, I had to figure out a direction of life. So when I, here's, here was a big catalyst for me. I went to Menards and so I was working there and things were good. Um, but I didn't know what the next step would be for me, um, in life. And so I had to change some of the stuff I had moved out of my parents' house, moved in with a friend of mine, mm-hmm. um, which was not a great choice for me at the time. It was mm-hmm. not a great environment for me. And, uh, fortunately that didn't last very long. That lasted probably like six months. Okay. So this was a college experience continued. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we kind of just kept rolling with it, and then um, what I saw as freedom was really, really wasn't. I mean, it was just hindering my life. Mm -hmm. And so I moved back into my parents' house, and um, you know they were great, but they're also like, this is you know this is our house, Mm -hmm. so here's some rules and stuff you got to abide by. Yeah. And so um, I worked at Menards for probably a little under a year. And then I had an uncle who worked for Illinois American Water Company. And so they were out of Peoria. And he said, we have a full-time temporary position. They have to change all the water meters in Peoria, and they have to have it done by the end of, uh, what was it, uh, 2000. And so... We need to have it all done. So they're hiring an additional, I don't know, it's 10 guys or something. Sure. And so we're bringing them in. You will get full-time. You will be a full-time employee, all the benefits, everything for one year, and you will get laid off at the end of November. And I thought, sweet. I mean, they paid me $18 <laughs> an hour sure. as a 19, 20-year-old kid. And I'm like, this is amazing, yeah, right? Yeah. So, But in the midst of that, I had to work a real job. Mm-hmm. And so it was we had to be there at 7:30, and there were consequences if you weren't. Mm-hmm. And you know, there were expectations. But what I also learned was this was um, uh, it was a new experience because it was a union job for me. So mm-hmm. that's something I had never had the experience of mm-hmm. before. And so there were set expectations and parameters that you had to go through there. And so that was unique. Um, and I have a lot of respect for those guys, but when I was going through that, I thought, this is not where I want to be. This is not how I want to spend the rest of my life. Um, and it was a, it was an enormous wake up call for me. And so the option was, is you can either figure out what you're going to do, you know, and I didn't have a college degree at the time, didn't have even have an associates. And so it's either you go back to school or you go find another job. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that was, uh. That was it and I said all right I'm going back to school I'm going back to ICC even though I had literally flunked out because I walked out of all the classes I went back in I had to take them all over again mm-hmm. um, and I did fortunately that first semester and a half or so like I was able to pay for it myself because of the money that I made and then obviously my parents helped um, when they figured out I was serious again mm-hmm. um, and so I went back and I got my associates in two years okay. and that was, you know, just a dramatic change for me to go, sure. I'm, I'm in, I'm all in on myself. Sure. And then, um, I ended up going to Illinois state okay. after that, but that man, that two and a half year period was just filled with battle of who am I, yep. who do I want to be? Mm-hmm. Um, it was at that time I had a friend, you know, I was doing uh, bodybuilding competitions at the time. Okay. And so people were, um, they were really encouraging and, you know, were challenging myself physically. And that's when I had a friend of mine that said, come with me to this church. Um, come check it out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, whatever. It's super weird, but I'll go do it. Sure. I had, um, I had left, la- I'd stopped. I grew up Catholic, like I said, but I'd stopped going to church because my mom got cancer. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as a 19, 18, 19 year old kid, I'm like, well... Well, this sucks. You know, why would God do this to my mom or whatever? Mm-hmm. And okay. you know, not knowing, and um, so I kind of just walked away from it okay. and and left it alone. Okay. And so this transition of someone saying you should come to church with me was a little was a little weird, but mm-hmm. I thought I, I really don't have anything to lose because you know this is the early part of my transition out of the water company, and and so I started going back, and so that's where I met. That's where I met Jesus, and that's where I met a friend of mine who was a pastor who just really invested in my life for no reason, right. which I thought was super weird at the time. Sure, um, but come to find out, like people do that, and we right. should do that for others, you know. Right, so, right. Um, but yeah, man, that was a big part of my life at that point.
0: Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna just real real quick. Why don't you just kind of go back to because you just add that in about your mom. And then pre, you know, like when you were in high school or maybe even before, it, it sounds like that there was, uh, yeah, just describe what that was like, because it sounds like there was a lot of, there were some expectations either through the sports or through your parents or whatever. And what, what was that experience like? Because clearly when you had the opportunity to leave, mm-hmm. it was different. Yeah. So there must have been a before. And yeah. so I'm just curious about what was that
1: before? Sure. my My parents were great. Um, my, my parents are great. They're both still here. So that's great. Um, my mom is my biggest fan. Um, she cool. always has been. And so she was at everything like left work early to come yeah. to games and had, you know, did the whole thing. So it was really great. Um, my dad, uh, worked when he, um, he did not have a college degree and, uh, ended up getting a job at Caterpillar. Okay. After you know, a decade or so of working there, he, he literally stumbled into a job that he probably didn't deserve at the time um, and went from uh, just working on the shop floor to management and like, I mean he obviously he earned it. Um, you know, looking at that and going like, that was a huge transition for us because it was also around the time there was a massive strike at Caterpillar okay. um, in 1988, I believe, somewhere in there um and so he ended up working because he was in management he ended up working massive hours sure. right? and so my dad is um has a tendency to uh l- go in all in on what he's doing and so he worked a lot okay. and so he'd come to games and he he was supportive and um you know he was he's great and i, I love my dad um so but that was a big there was a there was a a little bit of a void I guess because uh you know he was working a lot and so that was something that mm-hmm. you know was certainly felt um but he was always I mean loving and supportive and all that so my parents didn't um I think when I think about my parents I think about um we have a great big family on both sides right mm-hmm. and so lots of gatherings and lots of time and lots of people and all that which was um very 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 fond memories Mm -hmm. for me um but i'll be honest i don't really have a whole lot of recollection of a lot of my stuff my wife always thinks it's weird so i don't know if there's something there for me with that but Mm -hmm. um but i don't know my parents were great i didn't you know i i think part of my thing was when i left high school we were so regimented i played basketball baseball and football sure And so when I left school, like I never went on spring breaks. Mm -hmm. I never went anywhere in the summer and that wasn't their fault. Like we would go on trips to St. Louis or something like that, but not, I just didn't go. They would, I remember years that they went to Gulf shores that I didn't go Mm -hmm. because of my commitment to the sport. So obviously my decision, but um, man, that was, I was so regimented and so into what I was doing and I loved weightlifting at that point. Mm -hmm. And so When I got to Monmouth, I had been doing that for so many years, and I was kind of like, "Well, this sucks." And there's (laughs) a there, you know, to be just like so regimented and scheduled. You know, film sessions here, school practices here, and then we've got dinner together, and then you know whatever. And that was the schedule throughout Mm -hmm. the season. And I'm like, "Oh man, I kind of like to just go to my room," Mm -hmm. you know, and so um but when i went to my room there you know wasn't a whole lot of good going on um mm-hmm. you know so i don't know i wanted freedom i got it and i didn't deserve it or need it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it wasn't good for me
0: well you know it's interesting you know we talk a lot um uh, on, on the using the template of Joseph Campbell's hero's journey and in another uh, Richard Rohr refers to that same and he condenses it down to three different phases of Order, disorder, and then reorder. Right? Mm-hmm. So, and 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 it's a, it's a cycle. Yeah. And so we're going to go through it more than once in our life. Yeah. And, and and it's not you know it's it's clearly not a linear line. <laughs> it's it's a cyclical thing. Sure. But the way that I'm hearing or seeing what you're talking about is that you had this order in your life. Mm-hmm. Now a lot of it was self-imposed. Yeah. Because of your own expectations that you had and and what you attained from the sports and now. You, you go off to college, and there's an opportunity to maybe make different choices. Yeah, and so now we we go from order to disorder. Yep. And in many times when we're in that dark night of our soul or that disorder, it is what you said earlier. We're seeking. Yeah. And and sometimes it happens because you know something happens to us. Sure. Other times it's because um, the previous order doesn't work for us anymore. We've outgrown it. Sometimes you know we might, and we'll talk about this later. Maybe transcend it, mm-hmm. but um, but we're we're seeking in that, um, and that's why we end up in this dark night of the soul, sure. into the woods or whatever. And and so then this this phase happens. I mean, obviously school's not working. This the partying thing worked, and then, and then it and then it didn't <laughs> work, right? right? It wasn't sustainable, yeah. right? For you, it wasn't right. a sustainable thing. Um, and so you go to, school's not working, you go to Menards, you meet Teresa, you, you got a combination of different things. And then, um, and not that you hadn't been familiar with church, but there was something different about this Jesus story mm-hmm. that was different than the Jesus story you heard before. And what was different about this element? Do you think, thinking back on it now, what do you think was different Um uh, uh, was it, was it the message? Was it the community? Was it, uh, what was different?
1: Yeah, well, I think uh, the community was a, big, was a big piece for me because almost uh, immediately I started, you know, I had heard the message of Jesus before, so, like, I, I understood it. It wasn't like this was a foreign thing and right. I, I need time to, to understand it. Yeah. Um, but I had never developed a personal relationship with Jesus, and what do you, what do you, what do you mean by that? What, what, what did you come to know that to mean? Right. So for me, it is being able to know that, like number one that he had he died for my sins, and that he forgave me for that, sure. and that um, because of the commitment that I made to say, you know, I, I accept you into my heart to be the Savior and the leader of my life, um, like that the Holy Spirit resides within me, and then I have the the access and the capability to have that power mm-hmm. um with me at all times. Mm-hmm. Um and so it is something that I didn't have before because when I would go to church before, you know, and Catholicism is very ritual based, right? And so you're going in and it's, you know, the sign of the cross and there's mm-hmm. Jesus up above the altar and you know, we say the things that they tell us to say. Mm-hmm. Um and then um and then you leave, right? right? And you do that every week whereas what I was learning and the the new church that I was at was, this is about your relationship, right? So there's no pre no pre-programmed wording. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about creating space so that you can find who Jesus is, okay. all right? So that was different for me in walking in and going. This was I remember walking in and hearing the music, and they're like playing like rock ish music, right? And they're mm-hmm. guitars and drums and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, and I'm like. Can you do this in church? Sure. Is this okay? Right, <laughs> you know, right. and because that was, you know, it was like the organ and the piano. It, yeah. you know, yeah. um, the Catholic Church. So for me, um, so that was finding people that were also building into my life, rather than saying, "Well, you should pray about this or say the Rosary or do do ritualistic things." It was finding people and and finding different ways that God would speak into. To my life, right? Because he can do that through multiple different ways, um, and that is either you know through his word, you know through obviously the Holy Spirit, but also through other people, mm-hmm. and to be surrounded by people that are going look there. There is wisdom in number one diving into God's word, but two also surrounding yourself with people that are going to speak wisdom that they've received or that they have into your life. Mm-hmm. And so to have people that were actually now giving me information and giving me knowledge that they had gone through, either through previous experience, um, or that they read or, or prayed about or whatever the scenario was, it was very different from the information that I was getting from my previous group of people, mm-hmm. which was, "Hey man, if it feels good, just do it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's, it's all it's all good." Mm-hmm. And and those were also mostly directionless people in life trying to figure out, you know, why they couldn't succeed and achieve the things that they wanted. Sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was, that was the, the biggest difference is having people that would speak into my life and lead me to something that was greater than myself. Well, I, you know, you spoke and, and I remember very much for myself,
0: there was times where information was given, mm-hmm. um, rules that were established, yeah. those types of things and and then there was this piece of de- development that came from um, um, being asked of me to be more contemplative to be to 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 sit in and um, uh, meditate sure on um, hearing God's voice what was that asking? Not just a, a, you know, to bail me out yeah. things, but but what to do. And then I think what I'm hearing you also say is that you had people like your mom mm-hmm. in your life who were fans, mm-hmm. who were supportive, and your dad who were who were backing you, know, backing you up. Yeah. But now now you had people that were investing in your development, mm-hmm. not not just helping with it, but they were. Um, for lack of a better words, coaching you right. on this part of your development. And it may be stretching you, or maybe they were farther ahead than you were. Um, so similar to sports, yeah. you may want, once you get a taste of that experience, there was, I want some more of that.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, I think it was, they were helping me to orient my life towards towards Jesus and toward a different path. Um, and it very much was like coaching. Um, it, was, it was very much... Um, trying to figure out um who i was and you know what what god had planned for me mm-hmm. and i think so much of what we do is you know we're, we're seeking this one moment mm-hmm. of life and it kind of equates to exercise in that we're looking for that one pill or that one diet or that one thing rather than orienting your life around you know what you're doing right so like Am I looking for, I used to probably look for for Jesus and go like, hey, we, you know, God, please tell me, like, what am I supposed to do with sure. this decision, right? And we do that, and you should do that. But the difference is, is when you wake up and you're consistent and you're committed to going like, I want to develop a relationship, right? Then there's less of, oh, God, please help me with this one thing, which we still pray about, but not like fire drill every five minutes trying to figure out life. Instead, going... He's with me. He's already here. I'm going to make the best decision that I know possible unless I feel like I should do otherwise or some wise person speaks into my life that I'm going to do differently. So it's really about establishing, I feel like, a lifestyle and a pattern of going like, man, if I really believe this stuff, then I should live a life according to that um, on a daily basis rather than when I need help, when I need the genie in the bottle or I need the fix, mm-hmm. right? Rather than let's, let's figure out what do we consistently do? Um, it's not super sexy, True. but, you know, it helps us to change our lives. Well,
0: it, it, and I think it, going to that part where there was such disorder going on in your life, and now this was another um, format, another lifestyle similar to the athletic lifestyle. And, is, and it was not an issue if you um, – Knew how to discipline yourself. It right. was an issue of what were you discipline yourself to. Right. <laughs> right. And and now th- there was this new of how to integrate this. Mm-hmm. And um and it maybe it wasn't as uh as as structured as bodybuilding or structured as um you know when you're getting ready for baseball, getting ready for football. But there was still an element of trying to integrate this lifestyle not just on let's say church on sunday but mm-hmm. then how are you integrating in on tuesday and thursday and, and that so yeah so as this is all happening and you're in are forming and now there's a spiritual development and obviously Teresa's, you guys are dating yep. at this part um i'm going to fast forward a little bit sure. you get you got involved with corporate america yeah right? so you're in corporate america and this is kind of the time period when i met you sure and um and i think you're
1: you're working for Merck, right? I worked for I worked for Wells Fargo, and I worked for Merck. Yep. Okay. So and
0: yes. Yeah, so tell us a little bit. What what were you doing during, doing during that time? period?
1: Uh, yeah. So I uh, I was very fortunate, very blessed that I had both of those jobs. All right. So the reason we came to Rockford was because of Wells Fargo. Mm-hmm. Um, I had started with them as an internship in college when I went to Illinois State. I got an internship there, turned into a full time job, got promoted, moved to Schaumburg. Fortunately, got promoted again, and the choice was Elmhurst or Rockford. And I begged my boss, uh, please don't send me to Rockford. <laughs> I didn't want to go. And um, now, What
0: was wrong with Rockford at that time, perception-wise?
1: Well, well perception-wise, it was the armpit of Illinois. Uh, That's what everybody called it, right? Okay. So nobody wanted it. It bounced back and forth. And this was not necessarily a reflection. Like, I didn't know Rockford was a, you know— violent crime or this thing or that thing. Like, it wasn't that. It was just that it was so far away from the suburbs of where we were at. And it was a different life. It bounced between different territories. Nobody really wanted it within the company. That happened with Merck, too. It was just this weird place. And so I didn't want to go. I wanted to live in the suburbs, I thought, at the time. And um, thats I just didn't want to go to Rockford. Mm -hmm. Um, I had actually tried... Um, at this point, you know, there was a brief period, there was a, not a brief, there was about a three year period where Teresa and I had broken up and we started dating again at this time. And, um, she was in Florida and I actually tried to move there. Mm -hmm. And it was very, very clear that that was not where I was supposed to go because (laughs) there was no jobs or no opportunities that I found that really fit. So, um, long story short, boss said, Hey, congratulations, you're going to Rockford. (laughs) And I thought, oh, my gosh, you got to be kidding me. (laughs) And so, but when we got out here, it was great because very quickly after that, I realized that um, if I was driving 25 miles uh, in my geography, it meant about 25, 30 minutes rather than 25 miles, meaning an hour and a half of what the suburbs were. So I was like, whew, thank you, Jesus, because I would have lost my mind because I spent so much time in the car at that point because I was traveling. Mm -hmm. But um, so... That's how we got to Rockford. We were supposed to be here for a cup of coffee and uh, then promoting on to the next gig. And um, about 18 months later, the company, just the division we were in, just went downhill fast. And um, we got laid off. So that was a great experience. I, I got laid off.
0: Um, so what were you doing for Wells? So
1: we did finan- We did um, auto finance. So oh, okay. I was going around to car dealerships gotcha. and offering lease and uh, retail products. Okay. And so... Um, We got laid off, um, which ended up being a huge blessing because I had already started. This is 2008, so the writing was on the wall of anything financial and um, cars and all that stuff like, obviously, home mortgage and all that just took a huge plummet, right? Mm -hmm. So I had already started interviewing for jobs, and we got laid off on a Wednesday, and on Monday, I had my final interview with what was Shearing Plow, which eventually got bought out by Mark. And I had a job a week later. And so because of getting laid off, I had a six-month severance, mm-hmm. which was amazing, and uh, a huge transition point for us. But then I went into pharmaceutical sales. okay, And that was a whole different world, um, because I went from dealing with car people to doctors. Mm. And so um, it was a interesting uh, scenario for me, for someone that's enjoyed health and fitness since I was very young. I started lifting weights at 12. So... It was something that I was always passionate about. And so health was interesting because you go, I I was fortunate that I dealt mostly with um, asthma and allergy products for the majority of my career. So I never really had to dive in and go, well, do I believe in using this medication versus not or whatever? Because asthma and allergy, I mean, like I have allergies, so I take medicine and I've seen people obviously that have asthma and I know what, what a traumatic experience that can be for people. So that was not a real dilemma. Later on, I got into diabetes medication, and that was like, ooh, now we got to start talking about how do we really help people? Mm -hmm. Um, So that was an interesting dichotomy. But I did that for – I worked for Wells Fargo for three years, and I worked for uh, Merck for almost six and a half years, so about Mm -hmm. ten years in corporate America.
0: And and that was about the time you and I met. Mm -hmm. And what I remember at that time period, uh, because you were with Merck – and actually, they had just made that transition – and, um, but you were restless.
1: Oh, big time.
0: You were restless because you know, at, th- at that time the work was stable. Yep. Right. Um, and the money was good. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could be in a suit and tie. Yeah. Right. And, and look, the, look the part and all yeah. that stuff, but you were restless. Yeah. So once again, similar to this, this transition that was going on, you know, between, you know high school you were going from this order mm-hmm.
1: right and um, and how many kids did you have about this time so in 2010 we had just had our second okay. so
0: okay and so so your family right yeah. we got you got wife we're married we got you got you know two kids at this point and and, and they're pretty close together yeah. as you mentioned earlier and but but this restlessness and uh, so tell us a little bit about you know because that's how I met you and I remember that part and and you wanted to do something different and you were just struggling
1: with all, sure. all that so. yeah all that all that yeah uh, so here's the deal so in 2006 I'm gonna rewind rewind to go fast forward. 2006, I had just come out of college. I was into my job with Wells Fargo. And um, at the end of my time at Illinois State, I was, I was the president of the largest student organization on campus. I was working uh, 12 hours to 15 hours at my internship with Wells Fargo. I had a 15-hour class load. I was bouncing three days a week, and I was working, at, working out at 5 a.m. And so I ended up getting strep throat three times in three months twice. It's like almost had surgery to take tonsils and stuff out. And I was a, you know, not typical student. So, I mean, I'm 23. So they were a little leery of that. So, anyway, something had to go. And um, it was the workouts. Hmm. And so, unfortunately, at that time, I had also put on a bunch of weight because I wanted to keep up with all the guys that I was working out with, right? So, all of us bouncer guys. And so um, that set me on a trajectory to put on a tremendous amount of weight, actually. So, I, within within that two, three year time period between 2004, 2006, I put on about, uh, 35 to 40 pounds or so. And so I was already heavier than I normally was. So I ended up in 2006 at 296 pounds Mm. at Christmas on my parents' scale, on my in-laws' scale. And so I, um, I had a six-month-old son at the time, and I thought, there is no way I can't, I won't be able to play baseball with this kid. I won't be able to teach him how to play basketball, I'll run around. I'm going to be the dad that's going to come home and is going to just flop on the couch because I'm so exhausted I don't have any energy. And so I 296 hit me, and I was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. That's a, not because of the number, but because of all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. So I ended up getting back on it. And within six months, because of, the, of a very simplistic, Step by step approach. I lost fifty pounds, Mm -hmm. Um, and then I got fired up about what I wanted to do. So I got back into bodybuilding. So personally, I had kind of gotten back into the fitness realm, which I had been out of for a couple years. So two thousand ten, I had just um, competed or was competing in. Actually, I met you the day I went down. To the day before my last bodybuilding show. Okay. Because I was tan. Oh, yes. I had a spray tan when I came in to meet you. I'm like, this is not how I'll normally look. Yep, yep, (laughs) yep, yep. So I came in and um, I competed in my last show. I placed fourth uh, in the OCB Midwest States, which was super cool, Mm -hmm. and realized at that point that my bodybuilding career was over or else my marriage would probably be over because um, that's a very tough Mm -hmm. mix. Uh, to do. And so I was, um, I'm not real good when I'm hungry. So that doesn't work out real well. Sure. So I I just started wrestling with, I didn't know what my purpose was. I didn't feel like it was corporate America. Not that that's bad, because I feel like people can have a tremendous impact in that, Mm -hmm. you know, and leadership matters in every sector of life. Um, But I just felt like that's not where I was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, with just, you know, still, not mature. And where I was at, at that point, I was really felt like I was trying to push into push harder on where I should be, which is good, but also frustrating because you go, it should be happening faster. I want to sure. get into something else. And so we started this, this really, it took a, a couple of years, but it was a transition of what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. I want to open up. I love training athletes. I yeah. love working with, um, different clients. Um, and so was really just debating on h- how in the world am I going to do this right with two kids the next year would bring a third I had a very stable job benefits a car all the stuff uh mm-hmm. that comes with it and I would have to give all that up if I were going to do it um, right. so yeah that was th- wrestling
0: yeah and in, in giving up that sense of security, right? Oh yeah, and and that that uh, of the financial piece of because Teresa was working outside the home at that time.
1: She was she was doing in two thousand ten she was doing uh, she was a director for Mary Kay at that point. So she had worked for Heartland Community Church for a little bit, and then she went to um, went to work for Mary Kay and did very well for a couple years. Um, and so, yeah, two thousand ten she was still doing that. So it was a challenge with kids. Mm-hmm. So fortunately she was working, that part was at home. She trans, she was transitioning probably out of that soon, soon around there. And she went to work for Hope for Haitians, uh, which was a nonprofit. So uh, fundraising organization developed communities in Haiti. Um, and then she worked for the pregnancy care center as well. So that was somewhere in that she had transitioned out of Mary Kay into Hope for Haitians. I don't remember exactly when, but Probably around 11, 2010, 11. Okay, and
0: and while you were working at Merck, while you were trying to put your put your toe in, and try to figure out what this was, you had been started to train people. Yeah, and and so you had and got gone through your certification processes mm-hmm. and gone, you know, gone through not only the training to be able to train mm-hmm. individuals because you knew how to train yourself, yeah. but you knew that that was going to be important. And plus, it's there is a level of credibility as well as knowledge and information of what you're exposed to. Sure. But if you could maybe fast forward to that leap, because yeah. uh, being an entrepreneur with a family is is, is going to be a different level of, of 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 you know jumping into that, yeah. and, um, and as 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 scary as it is, it can also be exciting if yeah. it happens to be the right the right direction so what what gave you permission to go what what allowed that happen because now we're going to go from this order again into this disorder and possibly (laughs) another conscious choice or maybe you'll tell me something different (laughs) so what happened uh
1: yeah so it was um so 2013 i just i had been in it for three years doing farm uh well sorry more longer than that
0: about five years yeah
1: yeah and i told my wife uh that pharmaceuticals was going to change. It was not going to be what it currently was um, at that point. And so we could either ride the wave and do that, or we can make a transition and figure out what we're going to do. So she bought me um, for my birthday. She bought me my CSCS, which is um, Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist uh, certification through the NSCA. So it's probably the most prestigious thing that I hold from a certification standpoint, and it took me a long time to do that. It took me eighteen months to do it because I didn't have an anatomy and physiology background, no bio you know, biomechanics or exercise phys, any of that. So it took me a long time to study for that, um, but I got it, and I had been training people um, at different places in my home, all you know, all over the place, and so um, I got to uh, a point where. I had met, uh, who is now um, David Black, who's a business partner of ours, so orth- uh, orthopedic rehab specialist. And he was like, "This is what we need to do, and you need to just take a leap and go." Um, we had already gone through all the background stuff. We had tried to figure out where we're supposed to be, and I had had two real opportunities that I said that I had to say no to, um, and which was frustrating, but. We got to the point in 2015, and we – he just said, you got to go. It's time to go. So you can't sit around and hope for it anymore. Uh, Black did. Yeah. Okay, he said it's time. He's
0: the one who and really pushed, me. pushed you to <laughs> – Literally, no. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, so – we uh we had gone out and he here's the deal we'd already we'd already done all the groundwork and stuff and i like i said i'd said no to two other opportunities other spaces and places and times which was frustrating and so i kind of was reserved to like maybe this won't really happen Mm -hmm, right and mm -hmm. i still had the job and i was still doing Mm -hmm. the stuff on the side and then it's like you either have to take the leap or you have to like stop Mm -hmm. stop doing this to yourself and so We did. And so we opened up the LLC April 1st, uh, which was no joke. Bad dad joke, thanks. Um, And so we did that. And then um, after that, we started looking for space and we found one that we loved, um, but it was way out of our price range. Mm. And so we stopped going there and we went to another one. We were three negotiations in with another another place, which would not have been as ideal. And um, the previous landlord came back and said, hey, what would it take for you to come into the space? And we said, it would take this. And we didn't think he would do it, and he did. Mm. And then when he said he would, it's kind of like, oh, we actually need to do this now. (laughs) So I guess we're in. Okay. And so they accepted that. And then on my birthday, July 2nd, 2015, I quit my job. Okay. I called my boss and I said I got two weeks and I'm out, Okay. and he said, "Okay, great, good luck." <laughs> he said, "I'm not going to try to talk you out of it," um, so we'll come pick up your car and okay, good luck. Okay.
0: So, let me, having gone through something similar in in my life a couple times, um, tell tell us a little bit about from a spiritual standpoint with when with that part of you're, you're in this in this familiar you're in this order you're in the security Mm -hmm. and then you got this on the other on the other side somebody you know is it david black yeah he's saying it's the promised land you're going i don't know i think there's some giants over there i don't know i don't know um from a spiritual aspect was there a component that played into this was was it not yeah how did that play into it
1: yeah well we named it movement fitness because Obviously, there's physical movement that's really important to us, but we also wanted to be a uh, be a movement in the community, be a part of movements that are happening within Rockford, but also be a movement of people that would just that people would know that they're loved, that they're enough where they're at, Mm -hmm. Um, and that yes, I think people should improve, but there's also a matter of like confidence and self worth and self esteem Mm -hmm. that you have to have, right? Because we can give you all of the plans that you want and give you the nutrition plan we can give you the fitness plan the workout plan we can give you all that we can help athletes get faster run you know, run faster jump higher all that kind of stuff but if they don't believe it if they don't believe in themselves if they're not getting a message that says look you are worthy you are capable you're loved um right where you're at you don't have to be better to be loved right if they're not getting that then it really nothing really matters Right, because we see we've seen so many kids that um, there is there is this expectation that if I do well, Mm -hmm. I will be loved. Mm -hmm. I will be enough. My dad will love me. My mom will love me. Unfortunately, we haven't had too many bad scenarios of that. But going, we live in an an era now where lots of parents there's a there's a high access to training facilities, um, club sports. School sports, obviously, all the all the camps and all the stuff, and so there's this. My kid, you know, we have people that call up and say, "Well, my kid's a Division One prospect." Oh, really? Well, how old is he? He's twelve. Okay, let's let's pull the reins back here a little bit, mm-hmm. right? So there is an expectation. So you know, the biggest thing that we wanted to provide to people was to be a place. We actually always called it. We wanted to be the Cheers of Fitness, right? Or everybody knows your name, and they're always glad you came, right? Sure, so sure. when they okay. come in, you know, it's we're we're very much oriented to saying, you know, hey, hey, how you doing? You know, hey, Kevin. You know, normally mm-hmm. we scream it. I don't want to do that at this yeah, point. Yeah. You know, but <laughs> we have a big space, and so um, we want people to know, like, hey, this is your third place. Like, you go to work, you go home, and you come here. Like, mm-hmm. we want that to be a place where they go, like, oh yeah, that's a part of my life. Yeah. Um, because. They like me there. They, yeah. they genuinely treat me well. Well, you know, it, it's, it, it, maybe this is what you experienced when you
0: discovered this different group of people at this different church, mm-hmm. right? That you were in a space where they w- were desiring to see you and mm-hmm. you could discover you. And in some ways, that sounds like what you and Teresa have created here is you created that space that, it, that of course, we're going to compete to do the best we can sure. and, and and see how we place or see how we do. But what I'm hearing you say, right with that is that it's less about the outcome. It's more about um, the process. It's more about who you're becoming um, along this way. And as we were talking before the show, the idea of using exercise, using movement, um, using athletics as a platform in which to develop resiliency, any good athlete has to compete enough that they know there's going to be more failures and victories sure right? i mean it's just part of the deal sure. you know it's just you're going to miss more than you're going to make it um, regardless of how good you are yep. it's part of it and it's a it's it's when we can embrace the failure because right. of weightlifting, right? You constantly are failing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the point. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's kind of the point, you know. And and to be able to get your head around it, and if you find an athlete playing it safe and not going to failure, it's going to limit their growth, sure, physically, right. But more mentally and emotionally, right? totally. And um, so, so I, I'd be curious if you can think of without any names, you yeah. know, um, unless you got permission, sure, <laughs> but. Um, uh, any any standout stories? I mean, you've been doing this now, so coming up on three years. Any stories yeah. of any transformation? I know, obviously, you're yeah. working with athletes who've been injured, and you can help them physically get better. But uh, I I know for myself, my own personal experience, and others, that um, it's the mental part of the possibility of getting injured again, sure. or, or or whatever it may be. Any mm-hmm. anything? Any stories of an athlete or or just a person? who's overcome something that kind of,
1: yeah. Well, my, uh, my, probably my favorite story is, I'm, uh, basically this girl's become like a pseudo daughter to me. Um, she's been with us since the beginning. She was a 14 year old athlete. She had torn her ACL soccer player. Um, and her entire goal in life was to be a D one soccer player. That okay. was that was it. Now, mind you, she's five five and a quarter and a goalkeeper, so she doesn't have genetics on her side mm-hmm. um, from a height perspective. But she was tenacious um, and really just determined. And so she was the first girl that I ever worked with that had had an ACL tear. Okay. Um, so that's kind of become a niche for for us and for me at this point. But at the beginning, it was, and we got to get you back on the field, right, Mm -hmm. so that was the first process, and that's a long haul, because you can feel good some days, you feel awful some days, you know, and it's, and you don't know why, necessarily, Mm my knee's achy today, why is it achy, I don't know, right, and so we go through the process of that, Um, and so we got her, that was at the end of 2015 rolling through she played and got back on the field for her next high school season she was all all um conference all sectional um and then ended up winning a golden gloves award in her club team she got recruited and had one offer to go play division one soccer Hmm. and she took it and she went to the university of akron and she had just uh man outstanding like stellar freshman season last year so she's been with me for this is four years now but just the the grind and the continual work in between that and seeing the ups and downs of why aren't people i should have more i want to have more offers why didn't i get this am i not good enough am i you know they tell me i'm good enough but i'm not tall enough right Mm -hmm. and so that whole battle and, and what become what is external becomes internal of going maybe I'm not good enough mm-hmm. right And so to continue to feed someone into that and go you are you, but you just have to keep going mm-hmm. right And so what's cool is is she actually had a, a stellar season at Akron and had some you know differences and said you know what I, I, I don't I don't want to stay here mm. and she took a, she, she had to take a leap. And say, if I don't want to stay here, that means I have to declare myself into the portal. Tell my coach I'm not going to stay here. Risk not having anyone give me a scholarship again, mm-hmm. uh, and and potentially lose my you know dream, of, you know playing in Division One. And so she did that. And I remember that process was long and it was arduous. And mm-hmm. uh, but through that. She's now going to be transferring, and she's going to be playing at the University of Wisconsin this year, and now has a chance to play in the Big Ten, mm. which is a huge transition, obviously. But for someone who's started off with, I mean, she came to us with an ACL tear, and we had to battle through all of you know, her last two high school seasons, through a year of college, training. She's in and out with us now in the summer. And to see someone to, to achieve it, but also the mindset behind it of going like, well, I mean, here's the deal, it's not all sunshine and rainbows, mm-hmm, right? right? It's not you see people we see everything on Instagram and Facebook and you go, Oh man, they just she's just always everything's always good for her. Sure. Right. You know, or they're always doing so great. Yeah. And then you go, You have no idea. Right. You know? So that's the thing there. Um, that was a that's a store favorite of mine just because she's someone we've had such a close relationship with. But I mean we've had kids you know, I had a kid that came to us in the end of, um, I think, it was end of fifth grade, and was ready to quit sports. And mom and dad were amazing people, and they were like, "Look, we just we just wanted to, like to move and to be athletic and play. Like, I, we're not pushing scholarship guy and not crazy, you know, not crazy." And he said, "I I just don't want to play baseball and football anymore." And they're mm-hmm. like, "Well, I mean, that's okay, but you're good at it, and we would love." to see you continue to do it as an outlet for you. We right. think it's good for you. And so he came to us and was ready to walk off and um, long story short, I mean, he's been with us three years now, but he has, he's continued to play both baseball and football and now he just placed in, uh, in state for the high jump mm. because he was ready to give up all things athletic and physical because he didn't feel like he was good enough. Um, he was just didn't feel like he could compete or keep up with other people. And so the physical turns into a mental, you know, into a confidence. Yeah. So, I mean, our whole platform for athletes is we want to build confident athletes that are resilient both physically and mentally. Sure. Yeah. So – that's it.
0: Yeah. And I know I have not only referred some younger people to you, yeah. um, non-athletes, athletes, but also referred some of my older clients sure. to you. And you've done a phenomenal job with them. <laughs> um, just it, both both uh, men and women. Yeah. And we've done a phenomenal job with not only are they part of the culture and the community that you're talking about, but the contagiousness of the the attitude. Yeah. And uh, so I want to transition into... (laughs) Because you had a gap of time, so you decided to write a book. You know, because you know, why I had not? Lots right? of free time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sounds like you did. So you wrote wrote this book, yes. uh, "Be Great Today," right? And so I know you you wrote it, you know it. It's been a process of writing it, yeah. and and then you released it uh, this year. Mm-hmm. And um, so why don't you just give us you know a, a five minute uh, cap of what what do you mostly? It's your it's about your story. Yeah and and you you touched a little bit about it at the beginning part of the book, it talks about your physical transformation sure. and the mental part of just having these little goals and but what do you what's the overall message of be great today what what do you want be great today yeah to the, do
1: the the violence is how to be intentional with your attitude and actions to create your best life yet or best life so I, here's what I think is really cool about the book um, I am um not famous I am not um, you know you know whatever I, I don't know anybody that's written a book really I mean I know a couple people but to think of that and I started writing all this stuff for my clients mm-hmm. and it you know here's what we need to do weight loss and here's your exercise and so there's a bunch of that stuff and I finally got to a point I'm like this really has nothing to do I mean yes it has something to do with exercise and diet I I absolutely get that, but really it's internal because if you can't believe it or if you don't fall in love with the process, right. then it doesn't matter. So I started writing to them, but when I would talk to them about weight loss or you know exercise, they would just kind of look at me like cross-eyed, like mm-hmm. yeah, well, what do you know about mm-hmm. that? And I'm Not like, we, oh, well, you don't know my story. Yeah. So the part of it was to tell people my story so that they can go look who I am now is not who I was Mm -hmm. and who you are now is not necessarily who you're going to be in the future. And that's a choice for you. Right. Right. There are lots of things on this earth that we cannot control, but I firmly believe that you can control your attitude and you can control your actions. Mm -hmm. So we can determine, you know, how our days go. Um, Be great today came out of, you know, regardless of what the circumstance of your life is, you can choose to be great. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can choose. Romans twelve two says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that means every day when you wake up, you have the opportunity to set the tone for your own day. Mm-hmm. Regardless of if yesterday was good or bad. Um, regardless of what is coming ahead of you. If you wake up, and whether that is through prayer and devotion and reading or meditation or whatever that looks like for you. If you start your day proactively, you can set yourself up for success. Too many of us set up our day reactively mm-hmm. and they go, oh my goodness, I got an email from my boss and he's such a jerk and now I got to go in early and I'm going to miss this thing and I'm going to miss my son's baseball game and blah, blah, blah and you get all mad, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than, well, that's the first thing you're going to read in the morning. You're probably going to be real upset and you're not going to have a great day. Mm-hmm. So, But I believe firmly... If you control that, set up a proactive life. You can be great. Whether someone you're, you know, someone passes away, whether everything's great in your life, whether you lose your job, like we can choose our attitude towards the things that we're that we're doing. Um, I I just I firmly believe that. And the today part comes down to basically I believe that today's the only day we've been given. We don't know what's going to happen mm-hmm. tomorrow, um, and we see too many examples of that. And so. I don't want people to lose sight of you have a choice and you have a choice today. Mm-hmm. Um, and you never know how that will ripple across eternity mm-hmm. um, for another person, for a community, for a, you know, a country, a world, it doesn't matter. Right. One person, right? So uh, that's the idea. And I, when I started writing it, it was a collection of stuff that I was writing to my clients. And then I thought, like, I want to I wanna go deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started diving in. And the whole book actually is based off of this principle of choosing your intentions and your actions each day because I wrote 90% of this book in about a 20 to 30-minute block in the morning. Mm-hmm. I chose to wake up at 345 to get up and do my prayer and meditation and then write. And I had very few times where I would actually sit and write for hours and hours, Mm -hmm. right? Like people think of book writing as this Mm -hmm. romantic, like, and it may be for somebody. It wasn't for me, but like they think of this big romantic, I sat down and I had my coffee and I I just hammered away at the keyboard for hours and hours. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't have that kind of time. Mm -hmm. And so I was literally um, banging out 20, 30 minutes every day. And um, it's amazing the same way, I did my initial weight loss going from 296 to about 250. It was small steps every single day. Yeah. And the hard part is is that's not really sexy. No. No. But it gets results. Yeah. And so well you know, more
0: most importantly I think well, yes, you have to, we have to acknowledge that there's nothing, there's nothing sexy about it. There's no highlights, and it's really hard to put an Instagram post about it. Right? <laughs> it's just yeah. you won't get many likes or whatever they call that, right? right? But what it does do is it does help you transform into a different lifestyle. Yep, it, it does transform into that. And you were referring earlier um, to Saint Paul, and he, he talks about that in Romans about this idea mm-hmm. that in the midst of him him and his followers being persecuted, you know, that it didn't look like anyone was really liking what they were doing, except this small, because they were changing the order, right? It it wasn't about that. It was a, it was a new God. Mm -hmm. It was a way of looking at God differently. Right. And you talked about that earlier when, you know, you would introduce to God and church one way and that order then got thrown into a disorder. And that was the beginning of it. Sure. And then later on, it, it happened with working with corporate America, and you got restless and, and moved into this. And, and then even as you were doing the business of movement fitness and creating that, um, it's the attitude part, right? It's it's making those small choices. And I think for me, that's part of when people talk about having a personal relationship, mm-hmm. Um, with God, with Jesus. For me, it it is about putting my space in that contemplative, um, space that when my initial response is to say no, um, I need to sit back and go, okay, what's going on? What's my resistance? What am I too quick to say yes to? Mm -hmm. Um, as you were resisting coming to Rockford, oh yeah, (laughs) as you were resisting, uh, to, to leaving the security, um, uh, you know, there were certain people in your life that were pushing you. Mm-hmm. There were certain things that happened. Um, but all along, you began listening and following your heart.
1: Sure. Well, I think what's... You've talked about contemplation a lot. We live in a, in a space right now where contemplation and silence and internal dialogue is... Um, that's super weird. Like, we're always connected to something. Yeah. Right? We're always on our phone. Um we're on a computer, we're, you know, whatever, we're always on something. And, um, so being able to sit with your emotions is very hard and to sit with your life. One of the things we joined a, a a mastermind group, Uh, it's a fitness business, but the reason we joined it was, yes, we wanted some brick and mortar and how do we figure out business stuff, but really the guy, his name's Todd Durkin, he wrote the foreword to my book. He's a great, great guy. Um, but he, he spends a lot of time working on the internal for us mm-hmm. and going, look, it doesn't matter what you produce if it's not, if you're not right within. Mm-hmm. Because eventually it'll, it'll crumble, it'll cave, it'll, you know, something will happen, you will crumble and cave mm-hmm. or whatever. So I think what often happens is when you talk about intentionality, we look at it and I go, I would want someone to be intentional about what they want. Right when we when we help people and we start on their journey, we have them fill out this form and it's like we talk about what your goals are. That's what everybody wants, but we really want to dig into what's your why, mm-hmm. what's your purpose. My my purpose for so long and getting healthy was my son and then sons, mm-hmm. right to to be the dad that was active and was there and could do all those things. Um, but if you ask people what their purpose is. A great majority of them would say, oh, I don't know. I, I get up and I take care of my kids. I'm a mom. I'm a dad. I go to work. I do whatever. I do this. It's what we do. Now, the question is, is who are you? Yeah. Right? Who are you and why do you do what you do? Mm-hmm. And most of us don't know an answer to that right. question. And it's hard because that means we have to sit down with our thoughts, with a piece of paper and pen or however you do it, and go... This is where I want to go. Like, mm-hmm. I'm actually going to paint a picture of my life and I'm going to work towards that. And I think of, you know, when I look at my relationship with Jesus and I think where, how I've grown and developed with that, like those moments of contemplation and that moment of prayer and devotion, whatever it is, and meditation, like that allows me the freedom to go, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be and where I'm supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And it allows me to paint a picture mm-hmm. of, where i want to go and i leave myself open to go this is where i should be this is where i shouldn't be i should step out of this maybe mm-hmm. whatever it is um but i feel like we are we run at such a fast pace in life that we're not willing to sit with ourselves mm-hmm. um i mean when was the last time most people sat for five minutes with nothing Brian? right, right? Yeah. it's really hard to do
0: well and i think until either through a spiritual discipline or, or a trainer or a coach or, or some other type or maybe a situation mm-hmm. until they have an opportunity to experience it, it then just becomes another thing that I'm dieting about. Right. I'm just yeah and we know how diets work. Right? Yeah. You know, they're they're short term. They're only gonna last sure. as long as I have to do it. Yeah. And then I'm gonna go back. Right. right? But if I experience it then all of a sudden it's like I want more of that, yep. and then I have to discipline myself to make sure I get more of that. Sure. You know? So, Justin, you know, I, I always love talking to you. Your energy's <laughs> high. You have, you know, always great ideas, and I know that uh, the people that come uh, to see you and Teresa at, at Movement Fitness um, very much benefit from that. Uh, well, thanks, man. Yes, from the fitness standpoint. Yes, from the physical standpoint. But more importantly, um, from the mental, emotional, and spiritual. And so yeah. I appreciate you. I appreciate what you guys yeah. do. And I appreciate you being here um, on, on this show. But talking about your story of transformation and how you recreate yourself, um, you know, at least at least two of the times we talked about, sure. two to three times we talked about. <laughs> and uh, you're young. You're going to have at least four or five oh, more great. to go. <laughs> so, I look forward to them. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, thank you again yeah, for, thanks for you. being thank on you. the I show. appreciate it. So. Well, thank you very much for being with us and um, listening to uh, Justin Kegley to share his story, um, sharing about uh, his life as well as about his one aspect of how he's trying to help people in the community, not only through Movement Fitness, but then also through his book, uh, Be Great Today. Um, look forward to being with you next week, uh, and you have a great week.